0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is a good friend of mine, Michael Montoya, a.k.a. Morgoth Beats. You may know him from being in... Uh, Winds of Plague. You may also know him as a producer who has worked with artists like Juice World, Zilagami, Scarlord, Bones, Lil Xan, Omen 13, I don't know, like tons and tons and tons of the rappers that I talk about on my channel. Super interesting. I've known him back since he was in a band called Goliath back in 2010 or something like that, you know, coming up in that Southern California, like Inland Empire deathcore kind of scene, and now he's working with fucking Slipknot and Juice World. So, super interesting story. I really admire what he's done with his career. And that is what we get into in this episode, like exactly how he went from those local band days to working with these like absolute legends. And I think this is something that is universal here, whether you're a musician or a photographer or a graphic designer or whatever. I think that the template that we lay out in this podcast works for absolutely anybody who kind of wants to you know, grow their career and take things to the next level. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Before we get into it, I wanted to mention a couple ways you can support the show if you are so inclined. Number one, share it on social media. Tag me, tag the guest. really does a lot to help spread the word. Number two, you can check out some of our new merch. I have coffee mugs. We got a cool new Deathcore shirt with an edgy slogan and impact font on the back if you missed the MySpace days. And of course, you can support us on Patreon if you really, really love the show. There's a link to all of those things in the show notes. But first, before we get into that, let's do a little bit of Q&A. From Adam Lutch, being overwhelmed with a lot of information about a subject can often be an obstacle and make people freeze and just not learn anything. What's your advice on finding a method of distilling good information on a new topic once you've watched the... XYZ one-on-one videos, and he goes on to talk about how like uh, cryptos have been intimidating him uh, to him in this regard. So I think this is just part of the process. It happens to me too whenever I'm trying to learn how to do a new thing. For example, like I'm going to start doing Twitch soon, and you know I know a little bit about Twitch, but it's kind of intimidating, and I don't really know exactly you know where to start and what to do and blah blah blah. But that's just part of the process. The beginning, you're going to be confused and overwhelmed, and you just have to keep going. So the, you know, your question, like, what is the method of distilling that information? The method is like, put in the work. You know, make your mistakes, fuck up, find out what works, what doesn't work. Um, and I think that's just the only way. You know, there's the the part that I think people miss is they consume a lot of information, but then they don't do anything with it. If you read a hundred books about something all you've done is read 100 books. You haven't actually put it into action. So you don't really know what works because you read 100 of those books and 20 of them are going to disagree with each other. One book is going to say, always do this. The other is going to say, never do this. How do you know which of those books is right or or right for you? You do it. So that's what I would say is just, you know, do it. And uh, that might sound like I don't know. Maybe you're thinking of like Shia LaBeouf right now, but that is the answer. Do it and you will learn from experience what works and what doesn't. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the podcast. You know, usually I like to call people by their real names instead of their artist name. But since we've known each other for so long, I'm going to call you Morgoth Beats.
1: That almost seems to so like funny coming from you. Like, if anyone should call me Michael, it would be you. <laughs> hey, hey, bro, this is my boy Morgoth Beats. A sentence I've heard many times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it's always great to talk to you. And for anybody who's uh, listening that may not be aware of it, you've helped me a lot with my videos, you know, just kind of bouncing ideas around and stuff like that. So, you know, any of these videos that involve uh, rap, you know and other stuff but i think especially rap you've been super helpful in those so thank you for that and if anybody likes my videos that uh you know talk about rap you are probably a part of that so thank you oh
1: yeah man of course it's great watching like just conversations we would have anyways be turned into videos for everyone to debate and talk about
0: i mean if we're going to bullshit about this stuff we might as well uh, make a video about
1: it right yeah exactly people seem to like it
0: well what's uh what have you been up to recently that you can talk about cuz i know you've always got shit that you can't talk about but
1: yeah um man i've been yeah i've been really busy uh luckily it's been going good for me um i've just been yeah doing a lot of sessions you know just trying to get as many songs with as many artists out as possible i have uh lots of cool stuff in the in the tank that looks like it's gonna come out i mean i share most of it like you know i show you a lot of stuff yeah, I've just been, you know, getting to work with lots of different artists, you know, bands, too. It's been cool. You know, I've been like in the studio with a bunch of different people like, uh, no, not guaranteed any of like some songs come out. Some songs don't. But, you know, I've, I've been working with, you know, people like MGK. who have a song, but hopefully it comes out. He seems to like it. We'll see. I have been in the studio just... Yesterday, I was in the studio with that group Girlfriends. I'm I'm going in there again with them after this.
0: Not to be confused with Boyfriends.
1: Not to be confused with Boyfriends, (laughs) which is another group. Yeah, so, you know, I've been working with that whole emo rap roster and the metalcore band roster. Just been, Yeah, just been staying busy doing that, you know? Stuff with, like, Lotus, and then been working on some new Winds of Plague demo stuff, starting to get that vein going again. So, yeah, man, it's been cool. I'm lucky.
0: Well, what I wanted to kind of focus on here was... How you have kind of successfully climbed the ladder, and I don't love that term because it, it sounds kind of juicy and transactional. But you know, you went from playing in a local deathcore band ten years ago to now working with you know MGK and Travis Barker and you know Jonathan Davis and stuff. And uh, I think the way that you did that is is an approach that anybody can use in any field. You know, you're a producer, but it's the same thing if you're a designer or a photographer or a fucking accountant. I think it, it doesn't matter. And I just kind of wanted to like trace the process of how you got from there to here and pull out anything along the way that might be helpful for people. So what was kind of the first breakthrough you had, you know, from the Goliath days to like breaking out of that Southern California death core kind of scene?
1: Man, you know, what's funny is the, the first actual real uh, any sort of like sense of notoriety or like accomplishment I felt for my music is when you did your stuff you'll hate review on our Lost Cause video, because <laughs> after after you came out and it was like a like pretty positive review. And for the most part, you know, and it was like some fun, like little like, you know, how you used to poke and jab, which I thought was hilarious. So that was how we became friends. But um yeah, no, that that happened. And that's when I was like, oh, I like something's cool going on here. You know, this is coming out cool. I should take this seriously. And uh, I've just kind of always lucky for me. Uh, I feel like I've always taken music really seriously as soon as I decided that I wanted to do it and I realized that um, it's possible. So I was always the person in like my local bands and stuff and, like, you know, growing up in high school that took it way too seriously probably and wanted to like practice like seven days a week, you know, with everyone, when people didn't want to, I would get upset. And I do have that. I think it's like the work ethic my parents gave me luckily, but I think the moment like in terms of breaking out of Goliath was, well, I got into Winds of Plague first, you know, so I had been engineering and and producing a lot of bands at that point. So the way that happened was definitely kind of like a light bulb for me and where I realized um, not to sound like you should you should treat your life as like strategic and you should base your relationships off of like what people can do for you. But it doesn't hurt to think a few steps ahead, you know, of what could be. So, you know, being in Goliath first, we started recording with Andrew, uh, who was the bass player wins a plague at the time. And I was just like a fan of the band and everything, you know, and his, his recordings and stuff. And I had started to work with him a little bit. So anyway, that's how I got in that circle. And I knew that would get me in some sort of circle, you know, like how else do you break into like, you know, these like social groups and stuff like that. I was able to do that. And then lucky enough for me, you know, I had worked hard enough, I guess, around John and them to where... When they needed a new guitar player, like they picked me. So
0: they knew you through Andrew.
1: Yeah, and like obviously Goliath had played a bunch of shows with them, and at that point, you know, we had been like DIY touring all over the country for a couple years, um, which taught me a lot of lessons too. It hasn't been like a one moment thing. It's been kind of like a slow uphill growth. But I know myself, and I've I've recognized a long time ago that I wasn't going to be the kind of person who starts his first band gets put in a bus right away, gets on the biggest tours right away, things usually come a little harder for me and I have to work a little harder for them.
0: It really has been a slow burn for you. It's not like, oh, well, I met so-and-so at a party and then he introduced me to fucking, you know, Travis Barker and here we are. Yeah. It's more like a series of little things where you take one step closer for years and years and years.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's definitely been like that. And I'm actually glad because... You know, I know a lot of people who got it really easily and they just like ditched it quick because they never had to really suffer for it. So like doing all those, learning how to book shows, learning how to run merch, learning how to like, you know, essentially a band's a clothing line with the music that sells the clothes. So like I learned how to run that simultaneously with me getting into Winds of Plague. A lot of my best friends, one of my best friends, John and, uh, My other best friend Gabe, who he passed away, so R.I.P. Gabe, and my friend Ben. A lot of my friends were hip hop producers.
0: Did you know Diego and his brother back then too?
1: Yeah, I did.
0: R.I.P. as well, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, but yeah, I did. And me and Diego got along because we both engineered and produced, so we've always we've been friends since we first met. But yeah, uh, what happened was I've I've always been a fan of hip hop, on top of being you know like a metal and like hardcore and like punk kid. Just because I grew up skateboarding and my older brother was really into hip hop. So it's always been like part of me, like musically, even though like maybe when I found punk and hardcore and like metal and stuff, that really was my more my identity musically or whatever, you know. But when hip hop started taking a uh, turn towards the alternative side, I luckily was able to identify it really early.
0: You were so early to that. I mean, I've said this before, but I thought you were crazy for you know making hip-hop beats and stuff back in 2012 or 15 yeah. or whenever it was not that they were bad or anything i was just like dude these like you're a metalcore guy like what does that have to do with rap why are you doing this you were super early on that
1: it was funny because it was one of those things where i mean i saw what was happening you know with like odd future and asap mob and all that stuff and i was like oh cool this is like a step towards metal and hardcore for rap you know in terms of music aesthetic all that kind of stuff so when i identified that like i just started you know making beats and because i was around my friends who made beats all the time i would play guitar on their beats and i was starting to see the the flow of like the beginning of the soundcloud wave you know and it just became more and more obvious to me that this was the direction music was going and If you look at the past, you know, like how you're very good at identifying trends and cycles and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, we're in the middle of a cycle because it just gone through the death core cycle. You know, I just seen that and it felt very similar. It felt similar to being in a punk band because there was like these kids who were like scene kids basically or making rap music that was really dark and aggressive.
0: And at that time, this would be like bones and Gothboy, click probably
1: yeah i think that was when i really started producing like
0: maybe raider clan like that kind of era
1: yeah because i was a fan of all that you know i met i, I met asap rocky at a behemoth show in like 2012 like when peso and purple swag was out like he was the person standing in front of me in line and I was oh like, wow. Yeah. I was like, Ace oh wow. I have a picture of it I have to show you. I was like, you're ASAP Rocky. He was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. You like Behemoth.
0: But nobody really I mean, he had music then, but nobody really cared that much about him back
1: then. He wasn't ASAP Rocky yet. He yeah. was like the new buzzing guy from New York at the moment. He had security with him, but you know, okay. He wasn't like as famous as he is now. But anyways, I was like, Wow, I can't believe you like Behemoth. And he was like, Oh yeah, I love that. Like, extreme european metal shit their aesthetic is so fire you know and then everything made perfect sense to me after that because right, the a's right. to b's yeah because it started kind of with the imagery you know but yeah so right anyways when, when that stuff started happening i just started like taking producing a little more seriously and i started getting beats placed with these like local artists one of the first artists who took my production really seriously that i was actually really stoked about that wasn't just kind of like a friend here and there it was uh, omen 13 who was a part of schema posse originally, which, you know, is little peeps crew and like, Oh, I didn't,
0: I didn't know he was from uh, California. I thought, Oh yeah. He's from
1: Riverside. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's like, he was a kid who used to play in bands that would open for Goliath at like shows and stuff like that. So he sampled our song lost cause and like, we. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. No, that's, and that, for me, that was a real big one where, and we turned it into like a trap metal song, which was like, "This is early. This is really early. This is probably some of the first examples of of like sure. this sound." And uh, yeah, so it was him and Jay Green, which Jay Green started Schema Posse with Peep and all and Ghostman and all them. And that was cool like I can do th- I can do this because I've already been making like this weird metal infused rap stuff because when I first started making beats I kind of fell into my own style right away. I didn't really take the path of like being able to like mimic shit that was on the radio. Right. And stuff like that like that came for me later.
0: Which at the time would have been like DJ Mustard type shit which was just totally
1: not your style anyway. Yeah. I mean, now you could make, make a mustard beat if you yeah, wanted to, but... I was, now I make West Coast beats all the time, honestly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's basically what happened was like, you know, I, I was able to identify the, the trend early. So I started making the music and I was able just to kind of ride the wave of everyone.
0: Let's get into the specifics of how you got to work with people who weren't friends, because I think that's the part that's really hard for people. Like, let's say, you know, you've done a couple things with your friends and you're like, yeah, but... There's 10 other local artists who I know would love my shit, but I don't know them. How do I create a relationship with this person?
1: What I think happened with me was, luckily enough for me, I was doing the band thing. And you know, at this point, I'm, I'm in of Plague. And a lot of people who are into hip hop are nowadays were into heavier music in one way, shape, or form. I actually find it really funny how a lot of times people are just in disbelief that pop stars and stuff wear metal shirts or like metal right. shirts and stuff and they can't believe that that person actually likes that band.
0: That this professional musician might know about some of the same bands as you.
1: Yeah, it like that actually is super crazy to me cuz when you when you meet these people and you talk to them, maybe they're not like uh like going to Mayhem Fest every year, but a lot of times But they might be. Yeah, I think people think metal and stuff is a lot more rare than it is as a, as a taste. What I did was I was able to kind of Launch off of from where I was in a band, and luckily I had skills as a guitar player and a producer already, and an engineer. So when the Omen songs came out, I then started to get what I'd call trickle down work, like yeah, people who wanted to sound like that, and like Omen was like a decent sized local artist, you know, he's in terms of that scene, and then that turned to um, I had met Bones randomly in a mall too and he had heard of me cuz of the omen thing cuz i asked him for his email you know i just approached him like really humbly that's really important too is you don't want to scare these people off yeah say if you want to work with them or if you're an inspiring producer or if you're a guitar player or anything and say you see an artist you want to work with and it's an environment that's not really too chaotic or anything and they're very approachable at the moment what i did with bones was i you know told him you know i'm a huge fan of your music And I identified specifics with what I like about his music and how I relate to that because I make music in the same vein.
0: Like what kind of specifics would you talk about?
1: I was like, oh, I love how you're mixing, uh, you know, metalcore screaming with like these dark trap beats and stuff like that and i was like oh what kind of bands are you into and then he was happy to talk about that stuff so me and him just kind of
0: so you want to show him that you get where he's coming from so that he's like oh all right yeah this guy's not just a fan like he understands at a deeper level what i'm going for so therefore maybe he'll help me he'll be able to help me get there
1: exactly you want to relate to them as an artist to artist like you can't think of yourself as just a fan in that sort of situation you know um you don't want to just go up to him and be like yo, bro, let me send you beats because some people will say yes. Some people won't take you seriously, though. Like, yeah, if you try to relate with them on a more personal level, you know, even just for yourself, like if you are a fan of that person, it's cool to talk to people like that about that sort of stuff. So, you know, have the reasons why you like these artists thought out before <laughs> you talk to them, because then you'll have more to talk about. So anyways, yeah, Bones gave his info and I sent him beats. I sent him a lot of beats. I followed up on it. I got, went home and made beats for him. For that in mind. Now I hadn't really had any placements or any sort of real hope that it was going to happen because, you know, I'd only gotten like a couple things here and there. All the other stuff other than Omen I had been doing is for like friends and like artists who would come through my friend's studio. I mean, luckily, you know, I wouldn't I would I wouldn't say I, I didn't start from zero because I also lived with my friend Jay Graham for a long time, and he produced a lot of the early Travis Scott stuff. Oh, okay. He's a huge producer. You know, he's he's still a good friend of mine. And, you know, just being around that level of uh, success, you know, like Two Stacks, too, was another big yeah. influence on me um, in terms of me being like, oh, you're a hardcore and metal dude who does hip hop like me, you know, so but you're really successful at it. So
0: And, you know, people might think that if you don't have any placements that that's a problem, but I don't really think that's true. I think that artists, you know, are just as likely to be excited to work with somebody new that's like a fresh face instead of the same producers everyone else is working with. Like if they like your shit, that's what matters. It doesn't really matter how many other people you've worked with other than maybe just sort of initially, you know, giving them the impression that you're legit. But after that, like, they don't really give a shit who you have and haven't worked
1: with. Yeah. You know, nowadays, it's a little bit easier for me to gather uh, people's information because of, you know, working with Juice World and the credits I do have now.
0: But if they don't like your beat.
1: They don't like your beat. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Also, you know, when I'm talking to Bones, I was telling him what I kind of make. You know, I was like, oh, I kind of make this sort of stuff that uh, is similar to your stuff. I play guitar in this metal band, you know, and this was when guitar is starting to, you know, make the comeback uh, in terms of, because if you look prior to 2014 and pop music, or even to like maybe 2050, it was this all synth, you know, and a lot of time people at that point, I remember a lot of people was like, oh, it's not coming back. And then it sure enough, you know, it recycled. And luckily for me, even still the landscape of this side of music, because I kind of obviously, you know, have two different, careers musically via like metalcore scene and via the alternative rap scene so guitar is my probably my biggest musical strength in a lot of ways so after i get the bones placement then that legit like legitimizes me a little bit more (laughs) and uh yeah so then you know i start meeting producers and stuff who are working with artists who i couldn't get to otherwise but they don't know how to play guitar they don't really have many friends who are proficient at it or anything like that so i'm able to sell these producers on my plane you know being like hey i'll send you riffs and stuff like that where they'll probably be oh i'm looking for this kind of thing and you know i'll make full folders full of guitar riffs and keyboards and melody ideas
0: and, and especially like there's maybe other people out there that could like Play a Nirvana or Mudhoney riff or something, yeah, you know, well enough. But um, to be able to play what you play, I mean, Winx of Plague, that's not easy shit to play. There's very, very few people that can play guitar that well that are also making beats,
1: yeah, totally. But to be honest, though, a lot of times you don't have to be that good, it's really just about. If you are good enough to play like Nirvana type riffs, that's pretty much most what most pre- producers want.
0: It does, but I think it still sets you apart. Yeah, like even if at the end of the day you're just going to play a Pantera riff, it still sets you apart just to be that much better. I think.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it doesn't. It definitely doesn't hurt. You know, it definitely doesn't hurt. I'm I'm glad I took it so seriously for so long, and I'm really glad my uh, you know, my dad is also a guitar player, so I was just kind of raised on it. I just think I'm just in a lucky uh, scenario with both my parents being really awesome musicians and uh, being really supportive too. That was like a big reason why I was able to have like the freedom of, you know, my parents understanding what I was doing and not being like, oh, you need to go get a, get a, uh, stop, stop recording people, go get a real job kind of thing.
0: So you did Bones and then what was kind of the next thing after that would be like Zan or?
1: Yeah, I think around that time, Zan. That was when Zan started to to blow up a little bit, and there was, you know, other artists in that in the underground that I was working on too, like Jay Green. I had stuff come out with. Oh, I had I had more Omen stuff come out. Then I started working with the people in Bones crew, the Sesh Hall of Water Boys dudes like Xavier Eddie. So then it just kind of started to branch out more and more. You know, I just started to work with this scene more collectively as a whole. And I started, yeah, making these guitar and keyboard like folders of ideas that I use to collaborate, which is for anyone who, anyone who plays guitar, who's in a band or can play bass or is like keyboard or whatever the best advice, like even I could probably give anyone for today's landscape is if that's your skill, if you're some metal dude, who's like a shredder, but you want to like, you know, step outside your boundaries, make a bunch of song ideas with no drums around them and reach out to producers who produce songs you like that you'd be amazed at how attainable a lot of people are just by say you have videos of you up on your Instagram of you playing guitar or something like that, you know, show them you're good and then send them those ideas because they'll be able to get to people that you cannot. Because every artist has their own little inner circle. And a lot of times, it's not even the artist who filters out what they hear. It's their producers and engineers who decide what they hear. And sometimes their a you know, that kind of thing. Right.
0: Hi, this is Paul Phelps. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Let me get a little bit more specific here. So you, you worked with bones, and I think you're very good at kind of aggressively but not aggressively networking. Like you're yeah. good at kind of putting your foot in the door, but in a way that isn't like too aggressive and off-putting. So let's say that you work with one person in a in a group of people like bones in this case and you're like okay well there's seven other people in this person's network who i would like to work with also how do you make that happen you know because you don't want to just immediately start hammering them be like oh bro can you introduce me to so and so yeah you know because because that's super weird but how do you make that happen?
1: I think the way it happened for me was because everyone's story is going to be slightly different and things that might have worked for me maybe aren't going to always work for you and probably vice versa. But after the bone stuff came out, that was when I really started taking it seriously, like really seriously, not not in terms like, oh, this is cool. You know, I could maybe like sell some beats on this side while I'm like touring and wins a Plague and stuff like that, because Bones is is more popular than wins a plague you know as as an artist and that was when I was like oh this is bigger than I anticipated I would I would do so luckily for me I found myself in a position I didn't think I was going to get into and then I just started taking it seriously doing sessions a lot with you know just kind of staying the course on what I was doing you know I just was meeting more producers and meeting more people being involved in the scene because now I have a bones placement and have a little bit more to talk about, you know, and people are a little more interested in in you because of that. So I was lucky enough to then, you know, I meet his whole inner circle because I have these songs with him. So I happened to meet him at a studio session one day. And because I'm like, oh, I've already worked with your boy. And they're like, yeah, right. oh, sick, like play us beats. So you just kind of need to get into the scene, you know, like
0: Put yourself in the right place for things to happen organically.
1: Yeah, and, and be flexible and willing to to change course when you need to because i was in winds of plague at that point you know i grew up with that band on my wall i could have just like been like oh, okay cool like i i made it in a, in a big uh like decent sized touring metalcore band you know i'm that's all i ever wanted you know that's what i wanted growing up i didn't expect to be a popular hip-hop producer but you know i liked the music i really really liked the music that was happening and it felt fresh and new. So I wanted to be a part of it. And luckily, I was able to navigate, you know, into it by just doing sessions with a lot of producers, trying to, you know, get my sound all over the place as, as much as I could. And I just kind of follow that course since then, you know, it hasn't changed. It's, it's up a different level. But, uh, you know, that's the thing is just work hard and stay busy so
0: let's talk about the sessions because I think this is a really important part of it is when you do manage to get yourself into that place whether that's let's say you know studio session or if you're a photographer you know you're on a shoot with you know a big client and their team or you know maybe if you're again if you're a fucking accountant you just happen to be at a Christmas party with Mm -hmm. a bunch of other people you want to work with Mm -hmm. I think making the right impression in that situation is super important Yes. Um, What are the keys for you? And obviously making an impression on rappers is probably going to be different than a Christmas party for an accountant, but maybe not. What would you say are good things to keep in mind?
1: One, you don't want to be too aggressive because if you're too aggressive. In what way? In terms of if you see them and you go up to them like super excited, you know, just kind of like talk a lot, you know, just talk to them, be specific. Again, relate, I think is really important because people want to talk about themselves. So if you give them stuff to talk about themselves, usually too, if in a non-shallow way, you know, speak to them on a deeper level because I think you'd be amazed at how smart a lot of artists are. I think it's one of those things that people who aren't artists try and pass off as like a a dumb person career or something like that or a bimbo career in a lot of ways. And it's honestly not the case.
0: I'm always surprised, not not surprised isn't the right word, but impressed, I guess when I talk to these like rappers who maybe on social media, they might put on a little bit of, I don't know if it's an act, but their persona on social media is that they're kind of a dopey stoner kind of person. Yeah. But then when you actually talk to them, like on a podcast, you know, like Diego, for example, like he's not, he's not dumb.
1: No, not at all he's uh, it's, it's very, he's very strategic. He,
0: he's yeah, he's a sharp guy or Lotus, you know, again, yep. you might act kind of whatever on social media, but he's a sharp, insightful guy. And uh, I think that is really smart to understand that people are not necessarily who you think they are just from, you know, their public persona.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big one too. Uh, So yeah, I would say, yeah, speak to him on a d- deeper level, you know, ask them specifics about their music, ask them influences, try and like, relate your influences with their influences you know if you like the same artist you got to talk about like the songs you like you you just gotta you gotta identify with them more as like a friend you know you because if you want to be friends with this person you know or you want to have something to do with their lives in any way shape or form don't get too worried about it you know like a lot of times I see people like kind of freak out and stuff and luckily for me I just I kind of killed that a long time ago in myself with being overly starstruck. When, when I first started, you know, doing the band and stuff being around, you know, I'm from, like, I grew up in a small town in Northern New Mexico called Taos, 5,000 people. So I wasn't around any of these bigger artists and stuff very frequently. So when I was around them, I realized hearing how they would talk about people who would kind of like super fanboy and super geek out. And same with rappers too this is the same sort of thing when you hear like the insides of those conversations it kind of teaches you a little bit of how to act and you know a lot of times the Christmas was like dude like that dude was crazy he was like going like, you know he was totally freaking out which is that everyone's usually always humbled and grateful that you're so excited to meet him but you'd rather be the dude who they're like, oh, yeah, he was cool because, you know, we both felt like this.
0: You don't want to be too cool either because no. there's some people where it's like they're obviously trying really hard to show the artist how they're so not impressed to meet him. And it's like, OK, congratulations. You don't think I'm cool. Like, all
1: right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you want to show there's nothing wrong with saying like, oh, I'm a fan of your stuff. You know, they're, yeah. they're like, I'm, I'm super into your music. I love this, this and this, you know, let them know how much you like them but don't go overboard. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 the line I think that you want to walk on where they know that you like their music, but you also have something to add because you're you can be like say if you're a photographer or something like that and you could be like, "Oh, I do like these kind of photos. I would love to shoot like this sort of vibe with you." You know, or if you're a videographer or whatever, you you also got to have it, it depends on you got to have examples of your work too. Like I think that's really important that you know, if you're starting from zero, um, I think even if you do have the chance, say, to meet this artist before you're like really ready for the, the opportunity, say you just started making beats or something like that, you should release your stuff early, too. You should get it out into the world, I think, because and that's what gave me a, any sort of catalog to like show people like that way. I wasn't just going up like cold, like I don't really have anything to show you or anything like that, but like take me on my word. You yeah, want, I mean,
0: want. that that conversation is going to go nowhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like, they're just
0: going to be like, I, I, I mean, I don't know what to do with this. Like, cool, yeah. <laughs> wanna, yeah, like, cool, good luck.
1: Yeah, so you got to kind of like rise up a little bit to, to other people's level. You know, there is something to that. I
0: think about like when I was doing design, you know, some of the first big breakthrough projects I got were with Nike, Nintendo, uh, and Red Bull. And my work was absolutely not good enough for them mm-hmm. it was not terrible but it was like very barely okay yeah but guess what i still worked with them you know and wasn't my best work no but i got those names on my resume and you know that was a win so i think if you wait until you're happy with your work it's never gonna happen because you're never gonna be happy with it
1: never gonna happen i'm not all the way a perfectionist and i am a bit of a a perfectionist but not to self detriment where i'm not going to come out with anything you know i think i've seen a lot of people that be like a really bad crutch for them where nothing's ever good enough for them so nothing ever happens like
0: 400 songs on your hard drive that doesn't do any good for you you know
1: yeah i mean there's definitely something to be said about like practicing and
0: Make four hundred songs, for sure, but you've got to release some of them.
1: You have to show people what you're doing. It's, yeah, it's really important. you know, I think that you want to develop yourself and have an idea of what you're doing and what you're you want to do and the path you want to take before you can sell other people on why they should work with you. Whenever I meet someone or a, an artist I want to work with or a producer I want to work with, you know, that's what I do. I just like relate to their their music and I say hey like I have this sort of stuff like I would love to send you maybe we can collaborate
0: when the time is right you're like oh well actually yeah I I have some beats like that I'd love to send them to you if you want to check it out
1: yeah exactly and a lot of times too uh I've I've found that meeting the artist actually isn't the most important thing meeting their producer or their engineer is the most important thing if you meet an artist producer or engineer because they're way more attainable usually And they're the ones who really actually cycle what the artist hears. So, for example, like if if someone wants to get a song with like Zan, the best way that's going to happen is through me or John or Teo or like one of my friends who, you know, we produce and like engineer a lot of his music.
0: Because if you come to him and you're like, hey, I I talked to this guy. He's got some awesome beats. Let's let's check him out. He's going to say yes.
1: Yeah, because we're the ones who pull up his recording sessions, you know, so. It's not like we all only play him our stuff. Like I play him, we'll play him other people's stuff too. So yeah, I think that you know being smart about that is important. And you'd be amazed at how easy people are to access via like online. You know, don't be afraid to to de- first get your shit together. Like you know, if you're if you're a guitar player and you want to work with these producers, make a, a pack full of riffs with different styles. You know to. Make sure that you'll get something with somebody and you know, send them that. Send them something that's finished, something that you are okay with coming out in the world and something that you think is good enough that they'll like. So I'm 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 talking about this like as if someone is already musically inclined, you know. Cause if you if it's like you you need to learn the instrument or something like that, that's a whole different conversation.
0: So after Zan, the next big breakthrough, what what was after that?
1: Well, I had a song that was with Ski Mask that was like ended up actually never coming out but it was a super like metal song and he did like a preview of it and stuff and that kind of blew me blew me up a little bit more and then I had stuff with like Craig Zen and then I had stuff with and at this time like I'm getting to work with metalcore bands and stuff like that too because I would have never thought that my alternative rap career was going to Also turned into me being able to work with bands I like too, but because bands respected that I was from a different world, but also from their world, like that ended up working out for me. So I started, you know, writing with other bands. It kind of just fed each other. And then, you know, obviously like the Juice World song came out. Luckily for me, you know, I I did that with my friend Perps.
0: So that was how you ended up on that project was through him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because he has like four or five songs on that project. He was a friend I met from back with that Jay Graham I was telling you about earlier. So I kept that relationship, you know, cause me and him similar, we're similar dudes. We like a lot of the same music. We produce a lot of the similar stuff, you know? So anyways, we made that song, we made that beat. And then, yeah, we showed it to juice and yeah, he picked it. So it was, it was amazing. And that was a game changer. I have a bunch of, I have other placements too. I'm just like, kind of, I have a lot. <laughs> so I'm kind of trying to remember specifically like what, like how big, what, what, like, you know, I have this song with Doobie. I think that was pretty soon after around the Xan time that now it has like 17 million views on YouTube and it has like 16 million views on Spotify. It's with Doobie and Caskey. That was a big one for me. You know, that's a big song, like 17 million views. So I, I just started having little victories like that, you know, like little victory after little victory after little victory. And then I'd say the juice was a, was a huge victory. And I just like, kind of cherished all the little victories you know i just kept kept going step by step you know make a song with this person make a song with that person make a song you know just working my ass off just it's really there's no substitute for hard work you know And if you decide that this is what you want to do and especially when it's starting to be like you know what's paying your bills and you don't have to have like a normal job or anything like that that's when you just really gotta work hard and smart work on the right things you know work on the things that are actually going to get you a step further
0: and so now at this point the stuff with sid is that's been that's come out right or some of that stuff
1: yeah we have another one too that's going to come out with uh lucifina and mimi barks oh cool yeah it's cool because they're like the english uk version of each other kind of
0: yeah and this is sid from slipknot
1: yeah and again another example of you know my friend brian uh spencer who's an also great producer you know super metal dude really good guitar player kind of does the similar style as me, because also being in like a scene, you know, I can't really under understate how important that is. Like it's a community, you know, when you start working on a lot of these projects and you're getting on albums with other producers and stuff like that, there's something pretty like cool and intimate about that, you know, that like kind of connects people. So In terms of, oh, yeah, I had, uh, so, like, producing this for Scarlord, you know, for the first time, that was a big one. And us already being part of this, like, new trap metal movement, you know, that has been going on now for a while. um, I was able to meet Sid via through Brian because Brian did the same thing I did, you know, who approached Sid. And Sid's a producer, too. Like, Sid is an amazing DJ, amazing turntableist I think people don't realize, actually, how much he does do in Slipknot which he's the
0: he's not just like press play on the sampler guy.
1: No, absolutely not. He he does all the piano parts. He does uh he's the dude in the band who can engineer and produce. So when they have writing sessions and stuff Sid's the like the captain of the, you know, the ship there with like handling the computer work and handling the production and stuff like that and you know helping with the songs. So Uh, yeah, it was cool. Like I just, me and Sid started making beats together too. And Sid's smart. He, he wants to be part of, you know, the next generation of, of music, you know, and he is like, he was, he's producing for a lot of cool people, you know, he wants to work with younger producers and stuff. So we just found ourselves in like the same kind of page. And yeah, that's uh, kind of been the case I've found with a lot of these metal dudes. Like I have beats with I have beats with Ben from Dillinger Escape Plan, Tomo from 30 Seconds to Mars, Willie and Mark from Lamb of God, Mark from Veil vale of Maya, Javier from Animals as Leader. Like I could go like...
0: Yeah. And they're going to want to work with you because it's like, oh, it's the guy from Windsor Plague.
1: Yeah. I've kind of made somewhat of a little bit of a mission to myself to make beats with all these dudes from Metal World and to try and... I think that's another thing that I've, I've been lucky with is I have like a weird drive in a weird sense of like, uh, in terms of like, I'm like hell bent on making these two things like work. Well, you have a point
0: of view, which I think is a really critical thing for any kind of creative is like, you got to have that point of view, like my old boss, Chase Jarvis, who's a photographer, he does like, really slick, like highly produced commercial photography. And so if you want that, you know, if you if you're from Samsung, and you want some cool you know, shot of a tennis player fucking whacking your phone into outer space. He's the guy to get a call. You wouldn't call him if you want some grungy lo-fi kind of Polaroid aesthetic because that's not his thing. And I, and I think that's so important. You can't be all things to all people, and that you have this like what seems like a weirdly specific kind of focus, but you know, is actually not like we we have a tendency to think that our niche is a niche, but if none of us are that special, like if there's something I'm into, there's a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand people out there in the world who are into the same thing.
1: Yeah, totally. And, uh, I, I think that a part of that too, is just me kind of like, like the metal and hardcore community is important to me. And I want to like all these dudes who I'm working with are already super successful on their own. They don't need me in any way, shape or form. Right. But if I can like have a rapper from the alternative rap scene, make a song, with someone that I produced for like Willie from Lamb of God or something like that. And I can bridge those two worlds. I get off on that kind of shit, you know? So yeah, I like doing that. And I I definitely wouldn't think of myself as like, I'm just that, you know, in terms of like, I can make any sort of music now at this point, I think I've like kind of transcended at least creatively boundaries in a lot of ways like not to try and sound egotistical or anything but
0: no i mean if you've been doing it long enough you know you get good enough at your craft that you can kind of achieve whatever you have in your mind
1: yeah exactly where where i feel like a much more well-rounded musician than i i was before you know and i think that was important too is as i started to grow in terms of being able to work with more people and just collaborate more uh i've i learned from those people like i think that's a collaboration is a really important part of your growth as an artist. I I definitely don't want to tell producers too, that what you need to focus on is working with these big artists, because that's not necessarily what happened for me. Like what happened for me was like Zan, for example, is, is, is a perfect example. He was our friend before he was famous, you know, Uh, he would like come to our house and like take pictures at our house and stuff like that of our studio sessions. And then, he just started rapping. So I was able to kind of like, you know, the to rise up like with the rest of the tide kind of thing. So it's really important to be able to identify talent early and to be able to work with like minded people who are around you and to really honestly, if if you're if you take this stuff really seriously, it's pretty important to make this like your life, you know, in terms of uh, like this is very much
0: it's your friend circle. And, you know, it's like, there's no turning it off for better or worse, you know?
1: Yeah, very true. Where, for me, a lot of times hanging out with my friends is us making music together. And that's what it's just been for a long time now. And um, it's also where I have so many other friends who are around me who I've watched grow so much as artists and blow up in a lot of ways, you know, you want to be able to work with people who are at the same level as you too. You want to really work on that. If you help get an artist even just to somewhere, like even just past zero, and you do that multiple times in different directions, like all around you, that's how you're really going to be taken seriously.
0: Yep. Like doing a song with fucking 50 Cent Now is cool and that will definitely help you. But it won't help you as much as being the person who did the song that put him on the map in the first place. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing you want to do. Like Johnny, do you know Johnny Minardi?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we, we met through VAU.
0: Okay, yeah. He has a good uh, phrase that I like of uh, be the difference maker. Mm-hmm. Like if people look they're like who made that song that was a turning point in this artist's career and they find out it was you, that's what they want. They don't care if you worked with a legacy artist last week. Yep. Because, you know, you're not the factor in their success. They want to work with the people who are the difference makers. And you can only be the difference maker by working with people I shouldn't say only, but typically you're gonna be the difference maker by working with people on your own level or below.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And you don't know who that's gonna be. So, you know, go work with every artist in your area. Yep and If you work with 20 people, one of them, the the work you do with one of them is going to probably, you know, be an inflection point in their career. And that's where things are going to take off for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Where you will get much further and be taken much more seriously if you help blow up an artist who's was like right next to you. You know, I've seen it time and time again, you know, where people who stuck with someone early on, and that person goes... Like, for a good example is my friend Jake Marco. He's Snot's manager, and he was in a band that I used to record called Palace and Ruins. Like, you know, he filled in for Goliath on, like, a show or two. And he's also, like, a sick producer, too. But, yeah, he believed in Snot early, and he blew up with him, and now he's a ginormous artist, you know, where...
0: And even if you were just there, like, I didn't know Ben from Dillinger back in the 90s. I mean, but... We crossed paths like, you know, I was we sort of we were in the same circles. Right. And then when I wanted to work with him in 2013 or whatever, it was an easy phone call to make, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I like, yeah, I remember you and said yes immediately. Um, So even if just being there, I think, counts for so much.
1: Yeah, that's what I that's what I mean by just being part of your scene, you know, is you want to just be present and be around and kind of wear, like, what you are on your sleeve, you know, be, especially in, in art, you know, being bold is, uh is, uh, will get you far, you know, if you, you don't want to take yourself too seriously, obviously, you know, you got to have a sense of humor about, like, like, for me, exactly, like, I'm very well aware of how, like, kind of crazy my whole thing like with my name sounds like really dramatic
0: yeah, you right. know
1: i have a head tattoo instead of so my name's like a lord of the rings reference
0: and there's a z in there that's how you know it's edgy
1: yeah exactly that was that was that was me that was me trying to uh be like okay i'm i'm a hip-hop this is like you know like trying to identify and plus there's you know that german uh thrash black and right metal band called morgoth or whatever but now like people don't really like question it because i kind of like confident about it you know so right
0: you've grown into it
1: yeah exactly whatever you do be bold about it and that'll get you pretty far too but yeah so you want to rise grow with your artists you being able to identify talent like almost being an a and r is a pretty Mm -hmm. important part of being a producer if you want to call yourself a producer like or
0: again any other field if you're a photographer and there's some you know mom and pop ice cream store in town that seems like they're going to be promising Go do something something with them, even if it's free or cheap, you know, just go work with them because if they blow up in three years, they're going to remember that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, it really does apply for just about anything in any field. Identifying talent early will get you much further than working with someone who's already established. Having the Juice World song, you know, definitely was a huge game changer for me. Like, I'm not going to ever undersell that. And like, I'm so...
0: But everyone knows you're not the key to his success.
1: Yeah, like that, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I'm lucky to have worked with him in this position. Like, I just felt stoked that I, I could be on, on this album that, you know, I think is probably going to be a forever, like, classic album at this point. But it was being next to other artists that, blew up that I think made people have a little bit more of a respect for me, maybe in, in my field, at least. So yeah, I think that's, that's pretty important is just being able to identify talent and to understand where trends are going, which is what, you know, you do a great job analyzing on your channel and stuff. And what we talk about all the time is if this is going this way, it's safe to look a couple years down the road and to try and stay ahead of that curve a little bit.
0: If you wait until that wave is already crested, like jumping on the trap metal bandwagon now, I mean, I guess it's better late than never, but you kind of missed the wave.
1: Unless you can come to the to the party with uh, something super dope and game-changing, you know, and like really...
0: Be the person to really change the game for it, yeah.
1: Then that's sick, but if you come to the, the party, like, you know, just making the same thing that everyone else is making, then you're not going to, you know, you're not going to stand out. But the same thing everyone else was making, you know, four or five years ago was fresh and new at the time. So you have to stay, or same with, you know, even like I, I think I tweeted the other day where I was like, if you're an emo rapper, it's been time to learn how to make pop punk. Yep. Because uh, just making beats over guitar riffs is still what is, uh, you know the top of the food chain in terms of commercially
0: yeah. creatively it's a year and a half two years behind the curve
1: yeah exactly like the the stuff that is boiling right now is more of the crossover into like actual band parts and i mean the blending of genres is just in music if you want to have any sort of uh like you know forward thinking mentality on it like being able to blend genres together is is now kind of a must in a lot of ways
0: so another thing that I think is really key about you maybe more than anything else is, is you being patient, not just with like your own career, you know, that you've just sort of quietly kind of been grinding for a decade now or more. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, in sessions too, I've never been in a session with you, but in 10 years of knowing you, I don't recall you ever getting mad about anything. Um, and that's where I would struggle because, you know, from what, I understand about, you know, hip hop sessions, it's a lot of like, sitting around and smoking weed and not doing anything for a while. And then maybe you do 20 minutes of work. And that's the day. Yeah. Um, and that's just the way they work. It would drive me nuts. But what, you know, what are your keys to sort of just staying patient and calm in those situations where you feel like you're on the hook to, you know, create something, but maybe people aren't working the way you want them to, what what do you do there?
1: It's kind of funny because when I first started working in like hip hop sessions, like much more regularly and when it's not, wasn't just like me and my friends when it was like people coming in and we're recording them and all that. I was actually kind of amazed because before that I had just been doing metal and like hardcore bands and stuff, you know? So that is actually a lot tougher. And I kind of actually enjoyed the uh, sort of loose Mellow kind of vibe.
0: Because you don't have to be a hard ass of like, we got to record drums today. Yeah. Because we got three days of drums to do and we got to do it now.
1: Yeah. It reminded me of Punk in a lot of ways where it was like, oh, cool. This is so like just like DIY. And then the results coming out of it were just crazy with like in terms of the number ratio versus what I was doing in the band form. So I just kind of was able to enjoy the change of pace. I kind of just saw the whole thing as a learning experience. You know, I wasn't really too too upset about like the change of pace I think it was I think I'm I think I'm a pretty adaptable person I try to be you know I I try to be a pretty level-headed person it's pretty important to me like I don't really get off on drama and stuff like that I don't really like that stuff in my life too much so I think I just have a pretty mellow demeanor for the most part it's just kind of that's just kind of who I am like I don't know it's it's not really any sort of secret or anything like that it's I've definitely though been in a bunch of times where I'm like, all right, bro, like, like let's like get this done. I'm not trying to be here all night, you know, and stuff. Or I'll like call it if I'm not feeling it, you know, if it's taking too long or something like that. I'll be like, we got to do the rest another day. Like, but for the most part, if I'm working with an artist, I'm excited to work with, and we're working on a song. Their comfort is the most important thing because I want them to make the best piece of art over what I've already made, you know, that they can. So if that means that they have to sit there for two hours with me playing the beat on loop and then like smoking weed, like thinking of ideas. That's okay. You know, like I don't mind whatever you got to do to get yourself in the right mindset to make the best piece of art, you know, and our collaboration be successful. That's what I want to do, you know, uh, kind of like the more of like a producer in like the classical sense, you know, and I'll give, and then I'll give like opinions and stuff, you know, I'll, and it
0: doesn't matter how good you are. If it's, if it fucking sucks to be in the studio with you because you're an uptight dick, it doesn't matter how good you are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Where it's super, the vibe is very important.
0: I I know a producer who, I'll tell you who it is later, a very accomplished producer who, you know, everyone listening to this, you've listened to stuff that this person has done. Three different artists have asked about him. They're like, oh yeah, he's brilliant, but he's a fucking asshole and we'll never do a record with him again.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. I really don't like it's, that's really important to me. I like the more mellow approach. I mean, I will, when I'm working with bands and stuff like that, uh, for sure. I'll, I'll be the producer and make sure shit gets done. I'm not going to just let the project like.
0: The culture is different though. It's totally
1: different. That's, that's the big thing.
0: Yeah. And you just, you have to respect the culture. You can't, you can't force your own way of doing things Mm -hmm. on the group.
1: Yeah. I felt like I start, I kind of like started to do that a little bit when I first, Was kind of entering the scene, I was much more like a little more strict about it and stuff. And then I learned really quickly, though, that that's just not the way this works. So I was like, okay, like I'm going to chill a little bit. But also recording a band's record was just such a different process. A lot of similarities, too.
0: I mean, especially metal. It's like it's so detail oriented and so production intensive yeah whereas a rap song you could record it on an iphone in somebody's closet no problem
1: yeah it's it's true there's uh because with met with metal uh a lot of times you're you're doing it all kind of as one in in rap a lot of times you make the beat first and that's the that's the band you know you're you're the band essentially so you have to be able to think as a drummer you have to be able to think as a bass player you have to be able to think as a guitarist and or a keyboard player or whatever sort of Lead melodic line is you know in the song, and you have to be able to think of mixing from all those aspects. So you do most of the work on your own when you're making the beat, unless you're making the beat in front of the artist. You know, there's the instrumental side to it, and then there's the vocal side to it. So the vocal side is usually just them recording over the instrumental, and that blew my mind at first when <laughs> when we were uh, when I first started getting into hip hop because in metal I just it's just a much more traditional engineer you know, environment usually. I mean, now it's a little different. You know, now I, I think I my metal stuff is, the approach is pretty similar to my hip hop stuff. And that's just because I, I realized a lot of the stuff I thought was rules was, is just bullshit. Like in terms of, it amazed me where I was like, wait, you get different beats from a bunch of different producers. Even when I was like a kid, I thought this was crazy. And it's all on the same album. Like it doesn't all have to have the same drum sounds and the same guitar tone right. through the right. whole album. Like you can do that. That
0: Literally nobody
1: cares. Yeah. When doing metal stuff, I'm like, if the snare tone changed a little bit from song to song, I'm like having a panic attack over it, you know, (laughs) thinking that's super important. But then like being in the hip hop environment, I was like, oh man, I was so wrong about that.
0: (laughs) They can change genres every song of the album and it
1: doesn't matter. That's one of the things that drew me to it too. I was just like, when I I realized like, oh, so your whole thing is like you're multi-genre artists and you don't really know what to expect that's coming out from you. And that's like part of it. I was like, that's really cool. You know, yeah, just the noticing of different, different uh, cultures and different approaches is really important. And it's cool too, when you start to work on different kinds of music, than whatever you're comfortable with, you start to find similarities in it. And then you start to find differences in it. And you can kind of look at what you were doing before from a different perspective, if that makes sense.
0: It does. And you know, we could talk all day long. But I want to respect your time and the audience's time. Appreciate you coming on so much here for anybody in any field, whether you're a producer, you know, creative of any kind. Again, if you're an accountant, I think it's all the same thing of just kind of how do you how do you advance your career? And to me, the key that you've been so good at is just like parlaying one win into the next win into the next win into the next win. So thank you for unpacking that for us.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And really that's that's really the trick for for anyone listening is just like celebrate the the small victories and next thing you know you'll look down the road like five years or so and you'll see uh, huge victories but when you're kind of caught up in the moment you're not really going to notice quite as much but if you celebrate all the small victories then you realize at the end that like you appreciate it more and you see how far you've grown you know it'll happen quicker than you realize i think right on Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer